0: hello and welcome to the american patchwork and quilting podcast i'm Lindsay Mayland and i'm so excited to be here with you happy april i don't know about anyone else but march felt so long to me i don't know if it was like the bad weather we were having in the midwest um the bad news uh daylight savings time which always messes up my sleep schedule but I'm happy it's a new month and I have a new mindset. Um, And I also wanted to give all of our listeners just a little heads up that this season of the podcast is ending soon. So we'll be taking a podcast break in May and June and then start back up again in July with a new season. So I know our season break can catch some of our listeners uh, by shock a little, so I wanted to give some advance warning so you could kind of prepare yourself and savor this last month of shows. So on today's show, I'm getting a little sentimental, specifically sentimental about keepsakes in our sewing spaces. Quilting has baggage attached to it, but you know, baggage in a good way. So quilting carries a lot of history with it, uh, both in the form of, you know, historical value and meaning, you know, passed down through generations, but also kind of as part of our own sewing journey and what we've done throughout the years and learned along the way. And the thing about quilting is that it takes up a lot of space. It just does. Uh, So I often find that this quilting baggage starts to take over in people's sewing rooms. So let me give some examples. Um, some quilters love the history of sewing and they like to collect antique quilts, vintage fabrics or patterns, other collectibles like needlebooks, books, pin cushions, or just old and unique supplies. Some quilters get a lot of gifts from friends. This could be small objects and decor items or even larger quilts that the friends have sewn. Um, It could also be fabric or supplies. Some quilters have lost a loved one who sewed and took in fabric, supplies, uh, maybe unfinished objects and more as a way to remember the person or even because their family didn't know what to do with all of the works in progress or supplies. And some quilters have memories attached to objects that remind them of learning to sew, or their first quilt, maybe their first shop hop, their first quilt show, you know, those types of things. I think many quilters have these types of objects with meaning in their sewing rooms. And in some cases, These objects can be taking up too much room, and when that starts to happen, when our sewing rooms start to turn into museums full of displays and memories instead of usable workspace, this can cause some feelings of unease because we may start to see our spaces too cluttered or unorganized to use fully. Uh, we may not be able to find the space to store fabric and works in progress amongst all of our collections. Or we may have fear or guilt of letting go of something we no longer use because it holds those special memories. And I have a solution I want to throw out there to all of those who may be feeling this way. So you can create a quilt treasure box. Uh, you could also call it a keepsake box. So I had a keepsake box when I was younger. It held all the things I couldn't part with, like uh, my first driver's license, um, notes from my best friends in high school, uh, keychains from favorite vacations, uh, ticket stubs from concerts, all these little things with memories attached to them that needed a place out of the way. You know, I wanted to have them on hand so that I could look through them and relive all these great memories, but I didn't necessarily need all these things displayed in my space. So, a quilt treasure box can serve the same purpose. It almost acts as a permission slip to store something you love, but aren't necessarily using or want on display in a very special, meaningful way. And, um, kind of in a convenient way to explore when the mood strikes so first you want to select your box Uh, remember that the best storage for fabric if you plan to store you know fabrics or quilts or that type of thing is in an archival type box so make sure when you're buying something decorative like it won't leach dye or other chemicals into what you're storing or you know ruin ruining whatever you're storing inside you know over years of time So the treasure box can be as large or as small as you have room for, uh, because remember, you have to store this someplace. So don't get the biggest box you can find and then discover it doesn't fit in your closet (laughs) because that will just cause more problems. But you know, get, get a large enough box that you feel comfortable and then fill it with special things. So here's what I would put in a quilt treasure box when I have one. So I have my grandmother's sewing box full of her supplies. It's not pretty enough for a display. In fact, it's uh, actually an ugly brown plastic box, (laughs) but it's very special to me. Um, So that would go in the treasure box. I have a vintage needle book from my great grandmother's collection. I have a handmade pin cushion a friend made me. Um, I have preferred pin cushions I like to use regularly for my sewing, but this is a special one, so I'd like to keep it. I have some thank you cards and photos from people who I've gifted quilts to over the years. And I have some keepsakes from past quilt shows I've been to such as um, an autographed print from Valerie Wells. Uh, I have some lanyards and other small items. And of course, the most important thing I'd keep in the box is a room to add more things in the future because if you fill it all the way up right away you won't have that freedom to save things in the future and you might feel like you need to buy extra boxes and if you keep buying treasure boxes anytime one is full uh, they basically become storage boxes and it kind of loses some of that specialness so I love the idea of a treasure box in my quilt room because there's definitely these items like you know what I just said that I have taking up space on shelves, and while I love each and every item I'll put in the treasure box, I don't necessarily need them on display. And of course, I am not telling anyone that you have to pack up things you love in your space because they're not useful. If the item brings you joy and you love seeing it every day, go ahead and keep it where it is. Um, But I know that this idea may release some of our listeners from the guilt of not having all these items on display in their room. And kind of on the flip side, this idea might also help those quilters who don't have the space or maybe they have a shared space uh, where they can't they can't display items because they don't have the room. So a treasure box can serve as a way for them to keep memories for, um, you know, if they don't have a way to store them. So I would love to know your thoughts on this and if you found this topic helpful, um, or let me know if you already have ideas of what you may store in your quilt treasure box. So you can send me an email at apqpodcast at meredith.com to tell me more. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're sharing some fun and free projects we have starting just this week. Welcome back. Now I'm handing the mic over to Jody for what's on your workspace. Take it away, Jody.
1: This is Jodi Sanders. On my workspace right now are several little projects using one and a half inch squares. About a year ago, I received a box in the mail from a quilt designer friend. She was wanting to rehome some of her scraps and knew that I like to make miniature quilts. There were several clear, resealable bags full of one-and-a-half-inch squares, literally thousands of them. Most 19th-century reproduction prints, which are my favorite. I felt like I had won the lottery. I started by sorting them by color and then put them in smaller, clear boxes. I wanted to see how many little quilts I could make from the gifted squares. I started by making red and white four patches that finished at two inches. Then I made blue and white nine patches that finish at three inches, and then some green and white 16 patches that finish at four inches. As I've mentioned before, I consider myself more of a block maker than a quilt maker. I love to make quilt blocks, just for the sake of making, often with no plan for the outcome. In this case I really don't have a plan for what's going to happen to these little units but they are super scrappy and oh so fun to make. I decided to challenge myself. I can add a border, binding, and backing fabrics but the main part of the quilt top can only be made from the gifted squares. My most recent project is a trip around the world using turkey red, poison green, chrome yellow, Lancaster blue, and cinnamon pinks, alternating with cream shirtings. It's going to be about 9 by 13 inches when finished if I don't add a border. That's a little larger than a sheet of copier paper. It'll have 117 pieces, and I do plan to do some simple hand quilting. Just like potato chips, I just can't stop. Sewing these little 1 inch squares that most people would throw away... Making them into mini quilts just brings me so much joy. I wonder how many little quilts, pincushions, and zipper bags I'm gonna be able to make with these little squares.
0: Thanks so much, Jody. I just love hearing what she's working on now because those squares are so tiny and I'm very impressed that she can tackle so much sewing with those small pieces. Okay, now I'm handing the mic over to Beth who's going to share some of the fun new programs we have starting this month. So
2: take it away, Beth. Hi, Beth here, and I would like to invite you to join two fun and free programs we have in 2022. The first is our Blast from the Past Mystery Sampler Block of the Month. American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine is turning 30 in 2023. And to celebrate, we're counting down to our anniversary with a blast from the past quilt. It's a mystery sampler that features one block from each year of our history. So you'll revisit blocks from the 90s to now, including classics and old favorites, in this fun and free sampler. We'll release new blocks on the first Friday of each month, share a how-to video with sewing tips, and show the blocks made in Moda Fabrics. The quilt finishes at 60 and a half by 64 and a half and is set in an asymmetrical design. The blocks are three different sizes 6 inch, 9 inch, and 12 inch and will feature a variety of techniques. If you're worried you won't like some of the blocks in the quilt, we have free block patterns on our website for easy swaps. There are at least 10 in each size, so there are plenty of options for customizing your quilt. You can find full fabric requirements on our website or just embrace the mystery and pull from your stash each month to make it scrappy. We have a dedicated Facebook group you can join to stay motivated, share your blocks, and encourage other quilters too. Just search for American Patchwork and Quilting Block of the Month. It's a private group, so be sure to request membership and answer the questions. You can also share your progress on Instagram with the hashtag APQBOM2022. I hope you'll join us as we take a 30-block journey through the history of our magazine. You can find all the information at allpeoplequilt.com BOM2022. If you want to be so green, this next program is for you! Simple swaps can make a big difference in the impact we have on the planet. We encourage you to stitch up sustainable alternatives to disposable items and reduce waste around your home. The first two projects are cloth napkins and makeup remover rounds, two items that many people use every day and toss. They're both simple to sew and can be made pretty quickly. I've personally been using cloth napkins for about two years now, and I estimate I've saved more than 2,000 disposable napkins. They're fun to sew and you can stitch them up in fabrics to match your decor or get festive and switch them out for different holidays. My son loves picking out his napkin each night for dinner selecting his favorite character napkin or the brightly colored rainbow one. Did you know about 20 million makeup remover wipes are discarded every single day? A single cloth makeup remover round can be washed and reused repeatedly and will last several years, replacing about 500 disposable wipes. Plus, they're so cute. We'll be releasing a new project every two months and for each project you'll find the free patterns and a how-to video that includes more sustainable tips. Future projects include a reusable grocery bag, sandwich bags and wraps, and a silverware roll so you can bring your own silverware on the go and avoid disposable utensils. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash sewgreen to find all of those details. We hope you'll sew along with us in 2022, whether you want a little adventure with a mystery block of the month, or you want to stitch up reusable items for your home.
0: Thanks, Beth. I'm so, so excited about both of these programs. Um, I already have the first few sampler quilt blocks sewed, and I just can't wait for this journey the whole year long. It's going to be so much fun. Um, So I really hope that all of our listeners can join us for these, and I will link to all the details in our show notes. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're sharing a few ways quilters are helping Ukrainian refugees, as well as details about basting quilts in a small space. Welcome back. I'm handing the mic over to Allison now for Quilting Changes Everything, a segment where we share ways quilters are helping their communities. So take it away, Allison.
3: When tragedy strikes a community, it's difficult to know how to help. The turmoil happening in Ukraine has left many people feeling helpless and wishing they could do more. Twin sisters in the quilting community have stepped up to help Ukrainian refugees who are fleeing to Poland. Rachel Woodard owns Quilted Twins in Dade City, Florida, with her sister Becky Peterson who lives in Poland doing missionary work with her husband. Through the quilt store and the generosity of fellow quilters, Rachel and Becky have been able to raise tens of thousands of dollars to go toward refugees. Becky and her husband live in Poland and are witnessing firsthand how devastating the effects of the war have been on the Ukrainian people. Instead of teaching the Old Testament to pastors in Ukraine, they've switched gears and have decided to help refugees for the time being. Becky wrote a blog post on the quilt store's website and Rachel sent out an email blast to their customers. Which included a link to donate. All of this information went out on a Saturday, and by Monday they had already raised over $18,000. As time has gone on, they've gotten thousands of more donations, both online and through the mail. Becky's nonprofit, Solid Rock Foundation, has been using the money to buy supplies in Poland. The supplies go to things such as diapers, medical kits, food, and more. They gave from their hearts and it just made me cry. My heart is just tender right now toward what's going on," said Rachel. In addition to raising money for supplies, Becky has been sewing and quilting to make sure the refugees are comforted with warmth. One of the things Becky is doing is she said she's quilting as fast as she can making quilts so they can provide each one with bedding. You don't even think about how important it is at night to get into a bed with a pillow and blanket and sleep, said Rachel. Care packages given to refugees include quilts and pillowcases. Some of these refugees have been staying at Becky's church in Warsaw, which is about three hours from the Ukrainian border. People in Poland are very appreciative of the work that Rachel and Becky have put into helping refugees. One person wrote to Rachel saying, The war is so close, and we know from the past the similar situation. It's not possible to pretend that nothing is happening. We need to support each other. Thank you for your support in this difficult situation. If you'd like to donate to help Rachel and Becky continue their relief efforts, you can head to their website, quiltedtwins.com. Rachel and Becky are just some of the amazing people in the quilting community who are raising money and showing support for Ukraine. A handful of other quilt designers have come up with unique block patterns sending all proceeds to Ukraine. Some of these patterns are now free, but the designers ask that you still send a donation to the charity of your choice. If you're interested in these patterns, you can check out Lella Boutique, Pat Sloan, Quiet Play, Sasha's Quilts, Sugar Free Quilts, Happy So Lucky, Quiltville Bonnie, and Claudia Feel. Be sure to also check with your local quilt shops and guilds to see if they're holding any fundraisers or quilt drives to support Ukrainian refugees. Thanks, Allison. Of course, we've
0: seen so many quilters doing what they can to help Ukraine, so this is by no means an exhaustive list of everything, but we will link to a roundup of some of these people we mentioned on today's show um, in our show notes so that you can check them out if you'd like. Now it's time for Ask Us Anything. So we got a last minute question before our big Ask Us Anything podcast on episode 550. So it didn't quite make the cut for that show, but I wanted to address it since it's such a great question. So this question comes from Laurel Malls and she asks, any tips on getting better quilt sandwich results? I have a small space. Laurel, I am there with you. Uh, Basting just seems to be a universal problem in the quilting world. Um, It's the one I hear the most people complain about. (laughs) Uh, But I have three ideas for you that work especially well in a small space. So this first one just works if you are a spray baster, um, and it's if you have a design wall. So this is a method I've seen Krista Watson promote. Um, but essentially you lay your backing on your design wall with the wrong side facing you you smooth it out then you spray it with basting spray you add your batting smooth that out add one more round of basting spray and then you add your quilt top smooth it out and then your quilt should be fully spray basted and smooth on your design wall so you can carefully carefully remove it and then bring it to your machine for quilting The next method can work for both spray basting and pin basting. So you can lay your backing right side down on a large table. Um, If you need to, you can add, you know, small clamps or weights to hold the fabric in place. And then you add your batting and quilt top layers, you know, smoothing as needed. So then you can spray baste, between adding layers if you prefer, or otherwise once all the layers are draped over the table, you can pin baste whatever section is flat on top of the table. Once that section is basted, you can move the layers to the next section, making sure things are smooth and you know weighted or clamped to hold things in place and keep basting in whatever your preferred method is. Um, just a warning, Um, If you are pin basting, you may want to lay a large cutting mat down on the table before pinning to just help protect your table from any little pin pricks or nicks from the pins. And the last method can work for both spray or pin basting too, and that's the pool noodle method. Um, So you can take three pool noodles and you wrap your backing, batting, and quilt top around them to help keep them smooth and help layer them together later. So you roll the backing up with the wrong sides inside, um, then the quilt top with the right sides inside. And then you can layer the pool noodles and unroll each a little in order, then baste that small section, unroll all the pool noodles a little more, baste the next section and so on until everything is basted. And I know these are all so hard to visualize. So I will actually link to videos of these methods in the show notes so that you can see them in action. And if you have another fun way to baste your quilt, please let me know. Uh, I think so many people struggle with this. So please share any and all wisdom or tips you have so the rest of us can benefit. Also speaking of needing advice, I have one more ask. I got another reader question that I'd love our listeners advice on. So this question comes from Jenny. She says, I tend to be a people pleaser and want to make the perfect gift. I let them pick a color fabric or the pattern or sometimes even both. Um, I feel like I let them be in charge too much. And this can become frustrating because the receiver sometimes doesn't understand colors or fabrics. This year, we will be blessed with three new grandbabies. Two of the quilts are finished, but the last one my daughter-in-law wants something exactly like a picture that she found on Pinterest. How do you deal with making quilts for others and still feel happy with the end results of your quilt? So let's help Jenny out. Um, email me your best advice for her at apqpodcast@meredith.com, at meredith.com um, so we can get an answer to her soon on an upcoming show. And that's it for today's show. Uh, before we leave, I want to share a fun review of the podcast. And this one comes from Paula A.W. She says, I love listening to your podcast while driving to work. I've been quilting for over 20 years and learned something new on almost every episode. Please keep them coming. So if this was your review, Paula, please email me at apqpodcast at meredith.com. That's listed in our show notes um, so that we can send you a little thank you gift. You know, I love reviews because it helps other quilters find us so we can continue to grow this amazing group of quilters. So everyone have the best week and happy sewing and I will chat with you all later.